Welcome back to part two of our WAP podcast here on the major trade routes throughout the classical and post-classical era. Uh, this time we're going to be taking a look at the sea route in the Indian Ocean. Uh, and this is going to be a probably the most expansive trade route that we have because it's going to go all the way from East Africa all the way to China. So uh, it's huge. And um, there were some other sea routes at the time with where we see or, or major uh, naval trading routes. Uh, the main one being the Mediterranean Sea, which connects all of um, kind of U- Southern Europe, North Africa, and the Middle East together, Southwest Asia. Um, but it just doesn't it doesn't compare to the expanse of the Indian Ocean trade as well. That uh, trade in the Mediterranean will also find a way through the Red Sea to connect to that. And we see the Romans doing that with um, the Oxum, if you remember from uh, last week in Chapter Six. So. Um, and one final thing here that before we dive into what is actually being done in the trade, uh, is that, uh, the only reason why this is really possible with the technology that they had at the time is one, they developed some new things. So there are some major new technological innovations, but also, uh, there's this natural, um, uh, weather system known as a monsoon that will blow winds for uh, a certain given a time, uh, a few months. Uh, from East Africa to India, uh, that's going to bring rains and stuff to India, and then it'll flip and it'll bring and it'll and it'll uh, bring the winds back to Africa. So it allows people really fast navigation because uh, there wasn't necessarily, um, uh, especially early on, sails that could sail against the wind consistently. So uh, it was really tough to do that. As we go through history, though, we'll see that we've developed sails that can travel in any uh, any type of system. So um, starting off here. Uh, again, I mentioned that technology makes everything possible, and some of those things are uh, the Latin sail, uh, the rudder, uh, junk ships. Now, junk ships sounds like they're they're junky ships. They're not. It was a type of ship, uh, and uh, the astrolabe, and later on in this time period, the compass, which the compass is going to really lead us to getting to our next era. Uh, they don't have it early on. It comes around in like the 1400s or so. Um, you don't need to know exact date, but they're using astrolabes and, and other stuff before then to really navigate and figure out where the heck they are. Um, and without those navigational tools, you, it's really difficult to, to cover an expanse or to um, yeah travel over op- open ocean. So what mostly happened before is people would hug the coast and that would take longer than what eventually gets developed here. Um, and we can see uh, with this new technology that the Romans... Uh, we're even getting into some outposts into India, um, and China also did this. They would go to Southeast Asia, have some outposts there, and into India on the uh, east side of it. Um, Buddhism, we can see spreading to Southeast Asia, uh, which is making new connections there, um, as well as Hinduism spread down there as well, but then Buddhism will supplant that because it's more universalizing uh, than Hinduism is, and they don't have that culture of absorbing other religions like we see in India. Um China and India are the main players in this whole trade route. And so they're the ones that really kind of make it run because they're the ones that have the major products that everyone wants. And uh, they have the the population to really have major um, chunks of the population being merchants and and going about and trading. And um, again, it's, it's going to be really made possible or, or China is going to have a major influence when they have a major dynasty there. When they don't have a major dynasty, they don't have that coordination. And it's not as good. They still have it and there's still people going and trading, but it's just not as strong. Uh, India throughout this time, though, doesn't really have um, it, it will have some empires and we see those empires. It will maybe be a little bit more active, but 
we don't see a, a very strong centralized uh, authority in India necessarily uh, promoting this trade. Um, then in the Middle East or in Southeast a or Southwest Asia and East Africa, we're going to have Islam being the major uh, pusher from there. Uh, and they're going to spread their religion as well as um, connect it through, connect all the regions that it spreads to through trade and, and really link them together. Um, and in uh, Southeast Asia, uh, we see it's kind of part of the culture in, in the Straits there. And, and because the ships run right through there, they're able to collect taxes, and that makes them a major, a major player in it uh, because they can be kind of a stopping point and make their money off that. So you get lots of empires rising up there to um, take advantage of this. The, the main ones being uh, Srivijaya uh, in Malaysia. Um, they controlled the Malacan Strait, and that gives them the, the main control of the thoroughfare going through from East Asia to India or India to East Asia. Um, you also have other regions like um, the Funan um, civilization in Vietnam, the Khmer, uh, the Khmer major one in Thailand, um, they're the ones that build um, Angkor Wat uh, with part of their wealth there, and they convert to Buddhism. Um, <clears throat> so you have many empires rise up here. You don't really need to know all of them. Uh, Srivijaya um, is one major one to probably um, know, as well as Khmer because of Angkor Wat. Uh, but other than that, you'll, you should be okay if you don't know all of those other ones. Um, <clears throat> and... Um, with uh, this spread in trade, and especially uh, with it coming from India with Buddhism, it's kind of similar to uh, the Hellenism that we see, except this is more volunteered than the forced Hellenism on uh, the Southwest Asia and everywhere else that Alexander the Great conquered. Um, people more readily adopted this on their on their own without someone forcing them to to take it. And um, what else? Uh, one unique thing about Southeast Asia was that it, um, uh, the ladies actually were a major part of the trade. They were the merchants. Uh, but as they get into more patriarchal cultures or working with more patriarchal cultures, we'll see that start to shift. Um, and we'll especially see that start to shift when we get to the Europeans taking a major role and taking over some of these regions in the colonial eras. Uh, last major region here to talk about, or, or the last major group that kind of gets in here is East Africa. Uh, and the, the group that gets in there is this known as the Swahili states. Um, and, uh, they are city states on the coast of East Africa, um, that came out from the Bantu migration, uh, and, uh, they're on the coast trying to trade and the Muslim merchants will come down there looking for products and they will eventually adopt Islam. Uh, at least the merchants will and, and most of the upper class in those regions um, will or in those states will will adopt it uh, because it, it, it supplies them with a, a, a solid connection with people that have products. Now, beyond the coast, it, it doesn't really spread. So it stays mostly to the coast there. It doesn't go much, much beyond it. Um, and... Uh, they're going to um, be kind of the, they'll be bringing in a lot of the ivory and stuff like that from the interior, though. They don't have a lot of products on the outside. They're more bringing stuff from the inside out. Um, and that kind of brings us to a nice transition point here with, well, what did everyone have? And again, um, if you look back at the book there, there's a nice little snapshot showing it. Um, for uh, the regions we've already talked about, like India and China, it's still going to be the same things. Primarily silk, but now on this Indian Ocean trade, because you're using ships instead of camels, you've got a lot 
uh, larger cargo capacity so you can do some other things also it's probably a little bit less um, or it's a little bit safer I should say to uh, bring uh, more fragile products so you can probably pack them a little bit better on that so you might see things like the porcelain traveling more this way than on camel uh, back but um, in the Mediterranean basin, so where you have Eurasia or Europe and stuff like that, um, one other product that we didn't necessarily talk about in the Silk Road would be things like wine um, and olive oil. But really, again, it's primarily glassware and gold. Those are their two kind of main things there. Uh, in East Africa, we're going to see exotic goods, things like ivory, um, animal skins, tortoise shells, um, uh, things like that. Maybe some precious stones if they have them or if they can find them in Southwest Asia. Again, it's, it's frankincense, it's, it's incense and stuff like that. Um, in India, uh, again, it's the cotton, it's the, it's the spices, it's the uh, precious stones, uh, cotton, all those kinds of things. Although now you might be able to get some more timbers, so uh, special timbers that are in India or more prized timbers that are there um, will be a part of it. And that's also true for East Africa. I should bring up there are some um, woods that are there that everyone's looking and desiring. Um, in Southeast Asia, uh, it's a lot of spices again. Uh, there are some specific ones they bring up like mace, nutmeg, and cloves. Uh, but you just have lots of spices in that region. Um, and that's their main thing. And those are really light and easy to trade. Um, and that's why spices are used a lot because they are light, easy, they're durable. Uh, you don't have to worry about them breaking apart or breaking into a million pieces. It's not like they're ruined with that. And then China is still the same thing of, of silks, porcelain, tea, spices, um, <clears throat> their innovations of gunpowder and everything else, paper. So um, nothing really kind of shocking there in China or East Asia. Um, and uh, so that's kind of uh, everything there with uh, the Indian Ocean trade. Uh, the big thing is, no, it's a, it connects a wide variety of, of people. Uh, it's mainly done through, or it's all done through ships. And and there are different groups that get uh, kind of knocked out along the way with this. Uh, the Aksum we talked about were there and part of this early on, but when the Islam rises up um, and starts to really spread out through, through trade, they're going to be overlooked because they're a Christian group. Uh, and they're also going to be pushed out by invasions in that region too. Uh, and so we see the rise of East Africa to take over that role. Um, so that's just kind of an overview there of India. And then we'll look at our last one here, uh, which will be the Trans-Saharan trade routes.